Welcome to the Delight in the Limelight podcast. I'm your host, Linda Ugalo. I'm here to take you on a journey to heal your fear of speaking and open your inner freedom and self-expression so that speaking is something you love to do. Before we get into today's episode, I created a speaker empowerment kit for you that includes three mental rehearsals where I guide you to feel more calm, composed, and at ease in your body when you speak, whether that's live in person, on camera, or when you introduce yourself in a circle at a networking event or a workshop. Go to empowermentkit.me and download that for free right now. Okay, on to today's episode of Delight in the Limelight. Well, with me here today is Carol Mahoney, author of the upcoming book, Buyer First, Grow Your Business with Collaborative Selling. She also has been named as a top sales influencer by LinkedIn and Sales Hacker and voted top sales coach by Ambition. She's been called the sales therapist by a Harvard business professor where she coaches on sales for their entrepreneurial MBA program. This is all to say... I'm looking forward to learning from her and I know you will learn so much too. So welcome, Carol. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. I, I love that we're talking about uh, boosting sales confidence because like you said, a lot of sales is just having conversations and the more confident and comfortable you are in those conversations, the better they're going to go. Well, you know, th- I love this whole idea of like switching our mindset around. So it's the way we think about sales is kind of pervasive. It's programmed into us. And what you're trying to do is help us see it a different way. Speak about that. Well, I started off my business with the idea that I was going to eliminate sales because I had such a strong disdain for the pushy, slimy, sleazy tactics. Like we all have that used car story or that person who's always on that. We're just like, ew. And (laughs) That's where our mindset from it comes from, right? We all have this kind of origin story of how we disdained sales. And if you've read Daniel Pink's book, To Sell as Human, then you know that seven out of 10 of us, when we think of sales, we think of the used car salesman with the pushy, slimy tactics, and it's negative. It's this negative mindset that pervades sales. And I struggled with it when I first started my business. And what I found was after going through some coaching myself and evaluating my mindset and going through the behavioral changes that I needed to take on to successfully sell with my buyers, not to them or at them, I started to see that sales isn't something we do to them, right? I'm going to sell you on this. I'm going to manipulate you. I'm going to convince you. I'm going to persuade you. But it's actually a collaboration and a conversation that we have with people to identify problems and solutions for those. And that sales is ultimately connections between problems and solutions, which isn't that what makes the world a better place. And so by shifting our mindsets around it as to what sales is really about, and there are specific mindsets that get in our way in those conversations, it it helps us to feel more confident that we're able to help someone or that they're going to see us as a trusted advisor that they want to have the help from. So you know, mindset pervades everything. How you think becomes how you act becomes the results that you get. And so if we shift our mindset and we change our results, we can actually change our lives. I I like that. Me too. I, yeah. I mean, it, it makes it, it kind of like brings the the that part of our work of sales because we're always selling something, you know, even if it's not a service or product, it's an idea or, and um, so to be able to kind of like bring that in and include it into the conversations that we have, it's just another 
conversation. So tell tell us a little bit about that mindset shift that that you're referring to. Um, So in my practice in working with salespeople and business owners and managers and leaders, uh, we've identified five specific mindsets that get in the way of us being able to collaborate with our buyers. And just really briefly, those are the need for approval, right? We all have a need for approval to be seen and liked by others. It's wired into our DNA. It's how we survived in our tribes in the early days. But when you think of it in the sales context, when you have a need for approval or a mindset that people need to like me in order to buy from me, or people need to see me as the smartest person in the room to believe anything that I'm saying, that gets in our way of asking challenging questions of our buyers, of being willing to challenge them in a way so that they see their solution or their problem in a different way, which is exactly what buyers want from people who are helping them to solve problems. Help me see something that I don't see or think about this in a way that I haven't considered. But if we have this need for approval mindset, we won't do that. And so we won't be seen as trustworthy because we're just, you know, that person that just says yes to everything that you ask. At the end of it, you really can't believe anything that they say because they're just going to say, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. But they really can't. Hmm. Another one that is very common is what I call emotional management or emotional control. And this is when we get wrapped up in our heads, when someone gives us an objection about price or, uh, or I don't know that this is going to work, or we get excited about them being interested in something, that lack of emotional management in the moment gets us excited. We get wrapped up in our heads. We start thinking about what to say next or how we're going to prove our point or how much money we're going to spend when they actually buy. And what happens is that takes us out of the present moment and we're not able to actively listen to people. We've all had that experience when someone's looking at their phone and you're talking to them and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. Great. They have no idea what you just said. And you know it, you have no idea what they just said. But what happens is that that makes you miss things that you should be asking about. Um, I listen to a lot of sales calls and I have my sellers and my business owners listen to their calls so that they can get the awareness of, I didn't even understand what they were saying in that moment. I didn't even know I should have asked this question in that moment, but I didn't think of it because I wasn't actually there. That's how we can add those insights into our buyers where we can dig deeper in understanding why something is an issue for them and what they've already tried before and what the impact of that consequence or that opportunity is. We're not in the present moment, we're never going to realize it. And then we have things like a non-supportive buy cycle, or I call it the how you buy is how you sell. Like if you're someone who believes that you need to have the best price, that you have a hard time making decisions because you have to compare all of the options. When you are dealing with buyers or conversing with buyers who feel the same way, you're going to have a bad empathy towards that. I totally would think this over too, if I were you. So go ahead, think it over, talk to a bunch of other people, and then you never hear from them again. Um, and so there's, you know, others that are like the comfort discussing money. Uh, there's a lot of people in the world who don't like to talk about money. Like most of us were raised, it's rude to ask people how much they make or what something costs. But that's exactly what you have to do in a sales conversation. It's an exchange of value. And then finally, it's overcoming rejection. Um, And this is where a lot of our confidence gets deflated. If you hear no, and we all do, if it wipes you out, if it destroys your confidence, then you're not going to get back up to try and talk to other people. And 
as a result, those who actually do want your help will never get it because they don't even know that you exist because you haven't reached out to them because you're afraid of hearing no, or you do everything that you can to avoid hearing no. So these are mindsets that are specific to skill sets and behaviors and outcomes that we, as we change these mindsets, makes it easier for us to adopt the behaviors instead of the pushy, slimy, sleazy, spammy sales tactics that are still pervasive today. And that is what helps to build your confidence in any conversation you go into and will also differentiate you from everyone else that your buyers are talking to. You know, some of these things remind me of, you know, the similarities around speaking confidence in general and that like the need for approval, needing to be liked, feeling like we have to show ourselves as smart and knowing all the answers. These are the kinds of things that I find people need help with in resolving from trauma from earlier on. So like understanding, well, where did we have that need? I mean, of course we all want to be liked, but where did we feel like we weren't being liked, that we felt diminished? Or if we felt like people only liked us because we were smart and we got the best grades, or we felt worried about not having the answers in school and being ridiculed or any of these things that kind of imprint themselves on us and we carry them into our adulthood. And we don't realize that they're they're impacting our ease of relating to people and expressing ourselves because we're, we're in that place of um, earlier on where we didn't have the resources to handle those things. And we felt somehow those things meant something about us. And so rather what you're saying is we don't want to bring that stuff into our sales conversation. We want to be able to clear those away. My way is by going back to the root causes and resolving them. And you probably have your ways of changing the mindset. Yeah, I call it a cognitive behavioral approach to sales performance. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about cognitive behavioral therapy, it's designed to help you to change the negative beliefs that you have about a particular thing, whether mm-hmm. that's something that's trauma-based and we we all have traumas and micro traumas in our life, that's 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 life. Uh, some are bigger, some are smaller, but they still impact us. And what I typically say to my clients is you know, it's not like we can eliminate these mindsets. It's not as if we suddenly wake up one day and everything has changed for us. It's small things that happen over time. It's more of a maintenance than it is an elimination. It's more of a managing than it is a cure because these are things that are hardwired into our brains and certain circumstances and events will make those things flare up. You know, for example, we're in a tough economy right now. A lot of people are worried about money. And because of that, these scarcity mindsets start to pervade. And if you're someone who's trying to sell in this environment, you know, managing your emotions and being comfort discu- comfortable discussing money so that you can understand what true value is. You know, these are some of the things that might trigger those mindsets for you. And to understand that that's normal and that you have strategies to manage through those things is what actually helps people. It's not this, I don't have this issue anymore and I can continue to go on through life. It's you know, it's like, uh, it's like curing a rash. <laughs> you don't get rid of it, but you can manage to maintain it with certain things. And so I try to put it in, and couch it in that, um, which is probably why they call me a sales therapist. I actually was talking with someone yesterday. They're like, you need to have a couch, like in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Great branding. <laughs> I know. And the thing is, is, is a lot of the things that you talk about in speaking confidence, sales is a craft. Sales is a performance with speaking, with musicians, with actors, a lot of the same routines and rituals that we need to to go through 
in speaking are also the same ones that are going to help us build our confidence in sales, which is why for your audience, this is so, I think it ties together so intricately because a lot of things that you talk about in your book about strategies and getting to the root cause of things are also some of the things we just put it in a different context. Right, for sure. So how do you feel that we get to that place of being more authentically ourselves in in this conversation? I will tell you what's worked for me and with, for some of my clients and understanding that, you know, the other part of behavioral change is there's no one formula that's going to work for everyone. It's really more about how do I understand what my particular strategies are going to be? You know, it really first comes down to self-care. If anyone hasn't read uh, Jeanette Bronay's book, uh, The Self-Care Mindset, it's definitely a must read because that is some of those things that we have to do. It's ironic to be buyer first, to be audience first, to be putting others first in anything. We actually have to put ourselves first in our care and how we treat ourselves. You know, the, the way we get over a need for approval is by understanding our own value. And so it takes some reflection. It takes, you know, taking care of ourselves, eating well, uh, getting rest, uh, exercising, getting some kind of movement, you know, yoga, meditation, outdoors, like these are all things that are part of my rituals so that I can maintain the mindsets that I've worked so hard to develop. And, you know, things like setting boundaries where we we have our lines that if people cross these lines and there's, you know, we need to extract ourselves from those situations. These are all things and, and practices and rituals that when we do them in a sales context in our daily lives, it helps us to be more present in the moment with the people that we're talking to. It helps us to realize that when I hear no, it's not me that they're rejecting. It's just my offer for help. And maybe it's just not the right time. It helps us to understand that my value doesn't come from what they think of me, but how I think of me and how my loved ones think of me. Like that's the only validation that you should really be seeking. So it comes down to a lot of self-care, a lot of self-awareness and um, an open and a growth mindset is absolutely critical for this to develop the grit and the resilience that we're going to need as a speaker, as a business owner, as a salesperson to be able to get to what our personally meaningful goals are, which I think is another thing that a lot of us overlook when we're going through these kinds of works and practices is what is personally meaningful to me, what is valuable to me that I want to have my life be like and those that I love and be with. And why does that, is that so important to me? And it's got to be something that we're willing to do whatever it takes to get. You know, for me, it's uh, being completely off the grid, having a completely self-sufficient home, being I still haven't figured out how to travel in a most green way yet, but I will find a way where I can go and, and travel with my family and see new places and hike new mountain ranges and swim in different oceans and meet different people. Like these are the things that are valuable to me because I was brought up that one, you never leave a place worse off than when you found it. So you don't litter, you don't go into the woods and leave your trash everywhere. You leave things better than the way that you found them and that you leave it better for the next generation. And that, you know, life is experiences. It's not about the things that we have, but it's about the things that we remember and how people remember who we were. Because those values are important to me. These are the reason why my goals are important to me and why I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Mm -hmm. So, but your... Your whatever it takes to get it is different than another salesperson, whatever it takes to get it. Yes, ethically, of course, uh, because the things that I need to work on are going to be different than what someone else might need to work on. And how we get there will be slightly different. But the thing that I have found is that there are certain principles uh, that help us or scientific principles that help us to get there, sort of frameworks, if you will. So first, starting with 
you know, personally meaningful goals, any kind of a behavioral change that we want to enact starts with why are we putting our feet on the floor every morning to do it? And without that clear understanding of it, then it's going to be really hard to get through those tough times. Now, this isn't to say like you can't take action until you understand your purpose in life and your why. It's more of a you actually start to discover that as you start to take action towards something. It's a journey. It's not like you suddenly wake up one day with this enlightened, oh, this is my purpose in life. And it also will change as you go through life. That's just psychology 101. The other thing that I have found is that we all have, psychologists call it Mount Stupid, where we overestimate our strengths and we underestimate our weaknesses, especially the less experienced we are in something, which means that our own biases towards what we need to work on are skewed. And so having an objective sort of analysis or assessment of what are our strengths and skills to create that self-awareness, because we don't know sometimes what we don't know. So are you saying, for instance, that we may have conversations, but we're not really aware of the places where we are not listening right? or we're not asking questions and we're not creating that relationship to find out more about the person to put our buyer first. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, we, uh, so, you know, for example, I work with a lot of salespeople and they come to me and they say, I really need to get better at closing. Like what they don't realize is that there are probably five or six other things that happen before you ever got to the close that's causing the fact that you can't actually close. So I could sit here and teach you closing skills, but that might not be the actual problem. That's just your perception of what it is. And our perceptions of what our own strengths and skills are, are completely biased. You can't see the label of the bottle when you're inside the bottle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, great. And so getting some objective feedback and understanding and self-awareness of that, uh, you know, there's a number of different ways to do that. I actually use an assessment that has been, uh, you know, 2.2 million sales professionals over 30 years have taken this assessment that we can predictively look at the mindsets and how they tie to their skill sets. Wow. Um, which now, is, is that something that you share in your coaching or in your programs or is that yeah. something that people? Yes. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the foundational parts of the program where we work with people to then identify, you know, what are the things that have gotten you to where you are now? These are the strengths that will carry you through. But what are the things that are like Superman's kryptonite that are going to get in your way when you need to do the things that you know to do, that you know you can do, but when the moment comes and that pressure happens, you slip back into something else. And that's where the mindsets start to get in our way. Is mm-hmm. even though we know we should eat vegetables and exercise every day, our mindsets get in our way of actually executing on that when we need to do it. We have all kinds of reasons and excuses why we can't. So that's why that is so important. And then if you think about behavioral change, and I use weight loss as an example, because it's something that most everybody can relate to, is that it doesn't happen because you've gotten the fad diet, the, the cake batter diet that, you know, you, you drink every day or the you don't eat anything that's white. Like these are the diets that I actually tried at one point. And none of that work because this is a quick fix that doesn't necessarily account for your unique strengths and weaknesses and the things that you need to work on. So instead, divide, uh, designing a program where you identify one thing that you're going to work on and you break it down into smaller pieces over a period of time. And suddenly you realize, oh my gosh, I've lost 10 pounds. And oh my gosh, I've actually gotten people to respond to me in my emails and are actually willing to have meetings with me and want to have another meeting with me afterwards. We start to see these small changes happen and it builds our confidence that we can do more. Yeah, because we're slowly building up evidence of the effectiveness of our 
relationships. Exactly. So it's yeah. important to look for those bright spots, those quick wins in the in the process, because as our confidence builds, we get we 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 try to do bigger and more things. Instead of running one mile, we're running a, we're doing a five k. You know, instead of a flat, we're going uphill and down the other side. Instead of you know swimming for five minutes, we're swimming for fifteen minutes. You know, instead of doing a squat halfway, we're all the way down to the floor and back up again. It's yeah. and and when you realize, oh my gosh, I wasn't able to get this before. It's really important that we build our confidence in this process over time. I have one client, one, one of my favorite clients that I work with, his name is Michael Douglas, not the actor. He's an actual salesperson. He sells six-figure deals for uh, into environmental companies for like a remediation software. Really exciting stuff. And when he came to me, he wanted to double his sales, right? He wanted to go from selling nine deals uh, to selling, I think, 10 or, or 15 or 16 deals or something. And he thought that that was doable. When we worked with him, Within the first five months, he had sold twice as many deals as he had in the entire year prior, just in the first three months. And at the end of that, he was like, if you had told me that I could have done that before we started, I wouldn't have believed you. But because we had the small wins and the progression of time for him to start to get there, that's what built his confidence. And now he was at a point where he's like, I can do so much more than I ever thought I could. And that's how this process works in building our confidence and starting to dream and think about even bigger things. Even for myself, I never would have thought five years ago that I would actually get this book done. <laughs> I know. So let's let's make this practical for people who are thinking about sales. What are some of the easy wins that they can go for? So the, the easiest win that you can go for is if when you are writing your emails or your messages or you're communicating with people is to calculate what I call the wee-wee factor. So the wee-wee factor is if you... <laughs> I know. And it's exactly as it sounds. If you wee-wee all over people, they don't like that. But what it is, is that you look at your words and your language. You can listen to your calls. You can look at your emails and look at how many times do I say me, we, I, our language that's about you. And instead, how can you make it language that is buyer first focused? So you, yours, your, because that means are all buyer focused languages. And a lot of times we tend to start with what we, we do, what we want, what we can help them with. And then we give them a list of all of the different things. And they're at the end of it wondering, so how does this help me solve my problem again? So by starting with what their objectives are, what their goals are, the impact that that has, and then tying how you're going to help them to achieve that, that's a buyer first conversation. That is a buyer first message. You will be surprised how much more people are willing to respond to you. That's quick number one. Quick win number two is ask more questions than you think you actually need to ask. Most people do not ask enough questions of their buyers. And then if they do ask questions, it's usually closed end questions where you can answer yes or no, which doesn't then allow you to dig deeper into something. So instead, ask more questions and start with open-ended questions. These are questions that they have to then give you some more detail with. An easy way to know this is just start your questions with the who's, the what's, the where's, the why's. Those are the questions that are going to start as open-ended that you can then ask clarification questions of. So for example, if you ask someone, so what is it that you would like to talk about in our call today? And they say, I want to talk about how I can close more deals. So then I might ask a clarification question such as, well, how is it happening today? 
What makes you think that that's not working? What is it that you've already tried? These open-ended questions help you to dig deeper into what someone is doing, trying, thinking, so that you can then get an understanding of what's really going on underneath the surface and how can I add some value and insight into that? I'll give you one more because it is the other one that I see the most common one is active listening. We all think that we listen, but we don't listen. We listen with the idea of how am I going to say something? How am I going to respond to this? And so to practice some active listening techniques, actually, I have this game that I play with my client. It's called the questions and periods game. And it actually ties to helping us to ask more questions. But the real point of the game is to test your active listening skills. So the way that the game works is that it's kind of like 20 questions where actually, Linda, let's you and I do it now. Okay. okay. I was going to say that. <laughs> so Linda, what are you having for lunch today? Oh gosh. I haven't thought about it yet. Well, that's a period. That is a period. So you lose. <laughs> so, so, so the, the point of the game is for us to. you have to, you then have to reply to my question with another question. Okay. Okay. So Let's it has to be related again. to the question that I initially asked. Got it. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. You lost again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll try one more time. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready? Well, do you want to find out? Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think your audience thinks it's a good idea? Do you think we should ask them? Can we? Do you think there's a way to leave a uh, post a question in, in the software? Well, how much experience do you have with StreamYard? Do you have a lot of experience with it? Okay. I think that's good. <laughs> but it's good. Yeah. So the, the idea being is that after a certain amount of time, someone's going to have to answer the question. Mm -hmm. But yeah. the point of the conversation or the point of the game is that you have to really be present in the moment and listening to their response to then think of whatever question comes to your mind next. Mm. I do it a little differently and I want to um, hear what your response is. So my when I think of active listening, I'll ask a question. Mm. I will then reframe. I said, so am I hearing this right? You're saying this and this and that. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's how I do it. In, in when I'm coaching salespeople, typically what I coach them to do is identify before you get into a conversation with someone, at least say six to nine questions, like high level questions that you want to ask them based on what you've done for their research. Ask their questions and then you're going to find that there are other follow up questions based on the answers that they have. And so then after each main question, do a summary of what you heard and ask them in a diagnostic question after that. So that you're saying, so what I'm hearing you say is that you feel that you're having a hard time closing a lot of deals right now. And you've tried a lot of different training techniques and, te and programs from spin to bant and everything else. But what seems to happen is that when you get in the moment, you're not actually doing the things that you know how to do. Have you ever thought about the fact that maybe it's how you think in your mindset that's getting in your way of being able to execute on those? What's going through your mind in those moments? Summarize what it is that they've said and then ask your next question that leads into the next thread. Mm -hmm. And there's two things that happen when you ask open-ended sequential questions. One is on your side is that it helps you to understand what's going on more with the other person, right? You get a fuller picture and a fuller understanding of that. What happens on the buyer side, there's a couple of things. One is that when people ask us our thoughts and our opinions on something, we love that, right? Like we all want to talk about what we think because it releases dopamine in our brain, which gives, you know, us reward. And so then we want to talk even more about the things that we think about. 
the same place where it releases dopamine in our brain is also the same place where we form relationship attachments. So as you're asking these questions, you're building trust and relationships with people and they actually like talking to you. And this is something you can practice on anyone around you, whether it's the clerk at the grocery store, your Uber driver, your next door neighbor. People love to talk about themselves and what they think. But here's the other part of it is that as you start asking these questions and offer insights, the person being asked the question and then answering it starts to see things in a way that they hadn't seen them before. They start mm -hmm. to change their minds. They start mm -hmm. to think differently about something. That is what buyers value in salespeople, people who can offer them insights into things and make them think differently about things because you can go to the internet and find all kinds of information. It, it, that doesn't necessarily help them. It's not a lack of information. It's a lack of context that we yeah. suffer with today. Yeah, yeah. I, this is this is really helping me personally uh, put what I'm doing into some context. Mm -hmm. Like I, I start with a self-assessment that people fill out once they've worked with me. But before they've worked with me, if we're having a, a conversation, I'm pretty much asking them the same things. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that assessment, I sa always say, what what became clear to you that you didn't know before? Mm -hmm. And and that's my intent in our conversation is that I want them to see something differently. Like yesterday I was on with somebody and she said, oh my God, it never occurred to me that I could get to the other side of my speaking fear. Like this mm -hmm. feels surreal. Mm -hmm. Sign yeah. me up. And, and, and no, it's working. And when people say, I hadn't thought of it that way before, yeah. or asked me that before, I never could have, I never would have believed that that was something that was possible. Yeah. Those are all the clues that are telling you that you're engaging with them in a valuable way. Right. Now, the other piece that I think is really important to keep in mind personally, and I think you've, you said this earlier, is that I never go into a, a call with someone trying to make the sale. Yeah. No. Is that do you is that also so I always go in trying to be helpful. Mm -hmm. May I be helpful? Yeah. First make sure you first go in thinking how can I understand so that I can be helpful. Okay. Okay. And so that is that includes that perspective and the intention to be a listener and mm -hmm. to learn about the the person that you're talking to. Exactly. so that you can be helpful. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been great. It went by so fast. We must be having fun. I know. I know. So like, how can people find out more about your work, about where to find you, how to continue the conversation? And please, yeah. if you're listening to this and um, on the replay, put your questions in the comments. Carol will come back and, and answer them. I will. Yes. And I'll put in my two cents too. Um, the best way to learn more about, you know, me and this work and the actually sign up for updates for the book is to go to carolmahoney.com. So C-A-R-O-L-E-M-A-H-O-N-E-Y. Don't forget the E's. Um, that is uh, actually a, just a brand new website that we just put up a few weeks ago. Uh, so we're just starting to get it out there and you can sign up and get more information about the book there. Or if you're looking for someone to do a speaking or a workshop, that's another place that you can go. Um, if you're interested in learning about the work that I do with clients as far as coaching and training, um, go to unboundgrowth.com. Um, and that's where you can find more information about those programs there. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was fun. It was mind opening. I hope that everybody has shifted their thinking a little bit from, from all the, the ideas that you brought to us today. So thank you, Carol. 
Absolutely, Linda. Thank you so much for having me. And if anyone has questions, please just reach out. Yes. So all of you who are here today listening on the replay, let us know in the comments. And if you liked it, share it out. And next week, I'm bringing on Brian Height, who is a stunts man and a sports psychologist who helps athletes perform under pressure. And I'm excited to learn from him ways that we can also think about performing under pressure. So hope to see you on the next episode of the Delight and the Limelight Show. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Delight in the Limelight. I hope you feel a little more hopeful and excited about speaking in public. If you like the show, recommend it to someone you know. And if you haven't yet read the book, Delight in the Limelight, you can get it online or at your favorite bookstore or request it from your local library. Remember, speaking is our human design. Let's learn to delight in it together.